0: Good day to you, Glenridge Church. Um, good to be with you again, and I trust that you've enjoyed the worship and you've enjoyed some of the ministry that we are doing to the kids, and I hope as adults we're listening to that as well because I think there's so much value in it. And, um, but a couple of things before I get into my text, which is Acts chapter 5. Um, the first thing is this on, this, on the 6th of September, which is not next week, not next Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards we're going to be doing something called a rolling prayer meeting. And what a rolling prayer meeting is, is that from 11 to about 4, we are going to be booked. We're going to have a whole bunch of prayer meetings back to back. And we're only allowed to have 50 people at a time. So you're going, to, you're going to be shown how to register and where to register and when to register and all those sorts of things. And you're going to choose which one to come to. And we would love to have every single one of those four or five prayer meetings of 50 packed out. Um, And that it's not going to be broadcast, it's going to be live. And we just feel that this time as an eldership team, that there's such an emphasis that God is wanting to put on prayer. And so we are wanting to make sure that we respond to that well. Uh, We've also got some other plans to do prayer meetings in the building as well. So keep, keep posted with just with the announcements as they start to come out. But we are really trusting that we're going to do like a once a month rolling prayer meeting, which is going to be... Something we've never done before, but it's going to be quite exciting. So I trust that you will be up for that and try and get there. And uh, let's pray and see what God does in response to His church praying and partnering with Him. Um, another little announcement as well is that we are now allowed to connect socially with 10 visitors in your home. And I really want to take this moment and to encourage us to be connecting with people in your homes You've still got to obey the protocols, social distancing, masks, masks, and those sorts of things. But there is an opportunity to connect in homes. And I know people are absolutely wanting to connect with other people and be encouraged. Something that you might be able to do is to connect and watch the Sunday together or online or something like that. But there is a moment now, level two, level two is that we can have social visits in our homes with 10 visitors so your family plus 10 visitors according to the regulations uh, we've got to do that responsibly but it, the option is there and uh, it says in the book of Acts that they devoted themselves to fellowship so so what we're wanting to do is we wanted to make sure that we can as best as we can devote ourselves to fellowship without breaking the rules and being responsible so look forward to that over the time um, at this over this time we also um, have the building available to those that want to meet with home groups with bigger groups so you might have a home group of 20 people and you can't meet in a home but the building is available so uh, all you've got to do is get hold of Aaron, book the building and fill out this the protocols that we've got in place and uh, it would be great to be able to connect together as, as we devote ourselves to fellowship back to this morning and what i feel like i'm wanting to preach on this morning um We've been working through the book of Acts and um, it's been wonderful. I've absolutely loved working through the book of Acts. I've absolutely been encouraged and stirred around seeing the power of God moved. It's like on every single, you can't read a few verses and it talks about the power of God move, moving and healing people and it's kind of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit working with His church. And it's just so encouraging. It's so, God, I, I, my prayer life is, Lord, please, we want to see, stretch out your hand. We want to see your son's and miracles and wonders and healing and all those things that go with the kingdom of God. But really over this season, many people have said, what, what, how, what's happening, what God's saying. If I had to really boil it down to to kind of just one thing, I think God is preparing His church. God is preparing His church to give birth to something profound. I really do sense that there is a move of God ahead. And as a church, we've got to be ready for that move. And uh, I was talking to the eldership team this week, and uh, it was actually something somebody said to me, I, I don't even know who said it, but they said this, it's like surfing, and uh, you can be at backline waiting for your wave, or just kind of, and I'm not a surfer, but I've watched people surf, and, um, the, and if, you, if, you, if you just sit on your board, and the way wave, the, 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 the waves come through, you kind of just bob up and down. So you can be in the right position, but it doesn't mean you're going to catch the wave. Actually, to catch the wave, what you've got to do is you've got to wait for the wave to come. And at just the right time, you've got to begin to paddle onto the wave. And when you paddle onto the wave, so you position for it, but you're also paddling onto it so that you can catch the wave and then stand up and enjoy this amazing, this amazing ride on the wave. And that's what it's like. I feel like God is preparing us for something. It's, and it's not just positioning us. It's posturing us and preparing us and getting us paddling. It's kind of, we've got to be ready to paddle onto the wave. And um, I think all of those things, position, posture, and paddling, you put the Ps together, uh, is something that God is really doing over this season. And, and friends, I, I want to say to you, some of that paddling is the basics of the faith. And our basics, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in America or China, first world, third world, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, The basics of our faith never change. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus and a personal walk with Him. The Bible is part of the basics. We've got to be spending time in the Word, guys. The Holy Spirit is part of the basics that God's given to us to walk and to talk to and to guide us and to lead us into truth and all those sorts of things. And there's community. Those things don't ever change. We need those things all the time. And I really want to encourage you as we prepare for this next season, friends, when the power of God starts moving and things get exciting, if your basics are not in place, you're gonna start moving in your own strength. And as soon as you move in your own strength, something happens, you lose something of God. And we don't wanna do that. And so I wanna encourage you, keep your personal disciplines. Keep your corporate disciplines. The corporate disciplines are key. Those moments of prayer, those moments of meeting together and just connecting with people in, in small groups or whatever kinds of, zoom meetings and whatever kinds of groups that are available to you now and then our Sunday gathering so many people are saying yeah well I don't really do the Sundays friends I don't really know what's happening in church well the reason why you don't know what's happening in church is because you're not keeping the disciplines and actually God is moving us as a community and we've got to make sure that we keep our disciplines in place The, the, the reality is this the more you know Jesus the more you want to know Jesus and actually and so disciplines don't become effort, they actually become life-giving sources of life. It's like you the more you know Jesus, the more you want to know Jesus. And so you you start to move forward. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you are we are doing that as best as we can, to make sure that we are positioning ourselves, posturing our hearts, getting our stuff sorted out in our hearts, and, and aligning ourselves to what God is wanting to do, which includes paddling onto the wave and then allowing him to take us for the ride that we have. But Acts chapter 5, we are in the book of Acts, as you will know, and this is the next portion. I had a whole bunch of other stuff that I thought I'd love to preach on this, I'd love to preach on that, but I was reading this uh, as I was preparing on the other stuff, and I just thought, man, there's so much life in this, and kind of, I want to almost take you through Acts chapter 5, verse 17, down to verse 28, almost like devotionally, kind of, and kind of almost just read it and tell you. So when I read scripture, when I see this, this is what I kind of get out of it, it's like kind of, these are the things that stir in my mind and, and almost like kind of, this is how I kind of do it when I read the Bible, and maybe it's a way that would work for you as well. But just, just, to, just to bring out, there's such truth and there's such nuggets in this little portion of, of scripture. And so I want to do that, and then we will get to a few of those points. So let's have a look here. Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Remember now, the apostles were performing signs and wonders in verse 12, and nobody dared join them. We preached on that last week, but God continued to add to their number all the time. They continue, People continued to believe in Jesus and got added to them. And some, they came out that Peter's shadow might follow them and all those sorts of things. So there's persecution. Remember, whenever there's power flowing... There's persecution not far away. We see it in Acts chapter three. Now we see it in Acts chapter four and five. The power of God's moving, things are happening, and how we get to verse seventeen. Then the high priest and all his associates were members of the party of the Sadducees. were filled with jealousy. Let me just let me just stop right there. Isn't it incredible? They they arrested them because they didn't like their theology. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, and so that Jesus they were preaching about the resurrection. And so they didn't like that. But actually behind, I don't like your theology, actually was jealousy. And so, friends, we do this. I, I, I think all of us, none of us are exempt from this. Where we hide our heart issues through with theological ones. And we, can't find, we kind of find these excuses, this is what it is. But actually it's jealousy. They were jealous because the people were showing them favor. And they were getting favor from They were becoming more popular with the people than what they were. And so there was jealousy. And friends, I think at this time, even in this time, as God prepares us, as I'm saying, man, we've got to allow God to expose the real motives of our hearts. And you know what? When we, are, when we have trial and when we're under fire, under pressure, or, or we're not in a good place, we, we, never, we hardly ever say, you know what, actually I'm in a good place and take responsibility for it. We always find somebody else to blame. Yeah, but it's because of this person did this to me or this situation had did that to me. And actually, friends, actually what we've got to do in these days is allow God to shine his light on our hearts. And so that we can, we, we, want, we want pure hearts, friends. We want to walk with Jesus with pure hearts. He's made us righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Now we want to become righteous in our walk and in our reality not just in our position with them and we see this here that it was actually jealousy that got them to persecute them friends when the power of God is flowing there will be people when what would happen this is the question what would happen if the power of God starts to move in the church down the road what do we do what do we say do we say, yeah, but you know what? That's great, but they've got such bad theology and I don't like this and I don't like that. Actually, it's got nothing to do with theology that's got to do with jealousy because God's doing for them something that I want him to do for me. Friends, those are, that's the practical kind of outworking of what I'm talking about when I say this. Let's got get on with the text. So the, the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, the apostles, all of them. eh? Apostles, they arrested all the apostles, and put them into the public jail. They were, it's like a detention center before trial. Apparently not a nice place. as a marina a horrible, smelly, not a cool place at all. But during the night, listen to this, but during the night, verse 19, during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Isn't that absolutely incredible? An angel. An Angel, not just let me get on, because there's a whole lot of stuff I want to say about that. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts. So daybreak, okay? So they get set free. At daybreak, the first, that's when the the apparently that the, the temple courts were officially open on after midnight, but people obviously started coming after that at a sleep and kind of daybreak. The moment that people were allowed to be there, they were there preaching in obedience to this angel. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. Imagine that. Listen, now we're going to, we've arrested these guys. Now we're going to get them. They call all the main guys together. Listen, now we're going to get them. Please just go and get those guys so we can interrogate them. They get there. They're not there. It's like, sheepers, what happened now? But on arriving at the jails, the officer did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jails securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing the report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not force them because they feared what the people would do, that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in, in, in this name, they said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching And are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Wonderful text. Now we're going to get into some of the things that I felt God say. Just as I read this this text. And I trust that it ministers to you. And helps us get through what we're going through in life. The first thing that I see when I read this. I instantly thought. You know what they never prayed for angels to set them free. Well we don't know if they did. But you can't see from the text they did. Maybe they did. Let's say they didn't, because you can't see it from the text. Isn't it incredible, when we are doing the work of God, and we are living out the will of God, God takes care of the, the bits around us. And so they get, they get arrested for preaching the name of Jesus. They get pulled into this horrible place. All of them can imagine now hey, them having a discussion amongst themselves, what's going on, how's this happening, and um, they get put into this terrible, terrible place. And the, the, suddenly, an angel appears to them. An angel appears to them. So, so it, that in itself is quite profound. And whether they knew that was an angel at the time, because often angels appear as human beings, and this human being came and locked, the, unlocked the door, let them out, they went out and locked the door again, and, and the gods somehow were stopped from seeing this. We see this in Acts chapter 12 as, as well, where an angel releases them from from prisons and and we see this this God taking care of his people and God taking care of his ministers and God taking care of the church by sending them angels. So so he, he releases these angels to them and it, what what's phenomenal about that I thought isn't it incredible eh? because God God uses so many things to help us friends God uses his word. So this this word the Bible when we read it it's so full of the Spirit of God. It's so full of the life of God. It's life-giving, and it, it can change us, and it can work in our hearts, and it can transform our minds and all those sorts of things. But, and God gives us His Spirit as well. So the Holy Spirit speaks, and He guides. You go and look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 and 16. You'd read about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit did. And so God gives you a spirit to help us and to, to, to resource us in, in whatever we're doing. But more than that, God gives us spiritual beings. Have you thought of that to the Western mind? Well, what do you mean now, Stand spiritual beings? Friends, God has an army of spiritual beings, messengers that He commands to do His will so that His will gets done in and through our lives and just does doing His will. So it's, it's incredible to see that when we get on with the work of God, He takes care of the rest of the stuff. He takes care of the rest of the backup and the resource. And, the, and, and some of these things that we don't know about. So God uses his word, God uses his spirit, God uses spiritual beings. And can I say God uses human beings? God will send human beings to help us and to, to be with us and to be like a father to us or to help us with a word or to help us with pre- practical, physical things. Isn't it incredible that God sends a spiritual being to do physical work? I mean, all these contrasts. Uh, this is kind of, as I'm reading these things, I'm thinking, oh, gee, that's quite amazing. So God sends the spiritual being to open a door and to set them free. God doesn't just use spiritual beings and spiritual things to deal with your spiritual life. He uses spiritual beings and his spirit and his word to deal with our physical life and, and, our, and our everyday life. And what's quite amazing about this or quite humorous about this is that the Sadducees, did not believe in angels. So part of the Sadducees' kind of uh, theology was they didn't like the resurrection, but they also didn't believe in angels. But it, yet it is angels that sets these guys free that the, they have imprisoned. Look, look what else it says there. So I'm reading this and this is what I, so I start to think, cheap as angels. Friends, if you want a resource on angels and the spiritual kind of supernatural world, go and listen to Raymond and Kathy Manisi's series, a four-part series on angels, demons, healing, on the supernatural. And uh, it's on our GC Conversations. Go there and listen to this. Their very first one, in fact, is about angels. So if you want to know the the, the kind of heavy lifting around angels, go and listen to that and, um, and, and learn a little bit more about angels. It really is a great resource. But the next thing I pick up there when I'm reading this text, it says, Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message. You see, God sets them free for God's purpose. He didn't set them free because they were in jail and in discomfort, he set them free so that they would preach the word of God. You see, and like us, we are set free for a purpose. We are not set free for doing nothing. We're set free to position and posture ourselves and to paddle and to get onto the work of, the do the work of God that he has for us. They are set free for a purpose. And you and I are set free for a purpose. And we've got to ask ourselves, what is that purpose? This week I did a, I did a devotion on Colossians chapter 4. And, they were talk, and and he says to Archippus, he tells the church to remind Archippus, this one guy. Imagine naming your child Archipus. He says, make sure that you tell Archippus to complete the work for which God set him apart for. Make sure that he, he completes the work. It's like, just remind you, just, and he tells the whole church to do that. And I said in the devotion, actually, as a church, as a community, we should be making sure the archipuses around us, the people around us, we're making sure that they are, can fulfill the work of God that God has put in place for them. And uh, this is one of those things. They set free for a purpose to do the thing that God's called them to do. The next thing I look at that in that text in verse 20, it says, go and tell the people the full message of this new life. The full message of this new life. Some other translations say this, speak to the people all the words of this life. I just love the contrast of that. The full message of this life, don't give them a portion, give them the full message of this life. And then other translations say, go and tell the people the words of this life. Man, when I read that and the ESV says that and one of the other translations say that, I, re- I thought, man, our words are so important because they are words that represent this life that we have. And what are our words at this time? Are they critical, cynical? What are our words at this time? Are, are our words faith building? Are our words upbuilding? Are our words taking people forward? Or are our words crushing and taking people backwards? But there are words to this life. There's a word, there's words that contain something of what this life in Jesus has. And um, it's also when, when when I read that, I thought, actually, this is a way of living. It's speak to the, tell the people the full message of this new life, meaning this new life, this new way of living. Friends, when Jesus comes and takes hold of our hearts and we submit our lives to his authority and his kingdom, man, our whole lives change. It's a way of life. It's not a moment on a Sunday. It's a way of life that actually we get to participate with him and partner with him in. Fulfilling his call and his purpose and bringing glory to his name. And in the, in the process of that, we get to experience what it is to be a son or daughter. We get to experience what a new identity in Christ is. It also is all of life. So it's a way of life, but it's also all of life. It's not just, it's not just my church life. It's all of life. There's, there's words for all of this way of life. So there's words that you can have in business around the life of Jesus. There's words that you have in your teaching or your education or your studying or in your marriage. There's words around us that we've got to learn. It's all of life. When I read that text, I, I suddenly realized that it's a way. It's, a, it's also like a way of life. So it's a, way, it's a way that which involves living as a family for those that believe. That's what we see in Acts. It's like those that believe in Jesus, that share the name of Jesus, actually begin to live like a family. It's a new way of life. That's what the church is. It's the family of God gathering and encouraging and doing His will. It's a way which involves radically new attitudes towards property and possessions. It's a different way of life. He says, go and tell them about this. That actually, when you come, when, when you find this Jesus, he releases you from your property and your possessions. They're no longer things you have to defend and, and hold on to. Actually, be he becomes the thing that you hold, person that you hold on to, and he gives you back way more. Not only in property and possessions, but in so much more. It's a way of seeing and value people differently. It's a way in which we are all priests, friends. It's a way in which we all get to partner with God and minister with God and are all gifted and all talented in different and various ways. And it's a way of life that we actually begin to operate in and partner with God. It's a way of life where the temple, which was the center of all of religious life, has a place but no longer there. It's actually your homes and, and you break bread in your homes and you minister to each other in your homes. It's a way in which you hear from God directly. And indirectly through prophets and the people of God that he sends to you. It's a way of life, friends, in which we partner with God and his person and his power. It's a way of life of which our righteousness is first a person called Jesus before it is a behavior in which we live out. It's a way of life, friends, in which guilt and shame are, are, are no longer part of our paradigm of thinking and living. It's a way of life in which we have a freedom of heart. It's a way of life in which it's inside out. It's not... God doesn't come and put stuff on us. He does something in us which finds its way into our arms and legs and behavior and language and all those sorts of things. It's a way of life in which we are compelled by love, not obligated by fear. It's a new way of life. And he says, go and tell the people the words of this new way of life. Go and give them the full message of this way of life. I love what N.T. Wright says in his commentary. He says this, It was also a way of life in the sense that life itself had come to life in quite a new way, like a force of life had broken through the normally absolute barrier of death and had burst into the present world of decay and corruption as a new principle, a new possibility and a new power. So, so when he says the full message of this new life, it's, it's kind of a way of life and it's all of life. But it's also life as in the life of God breaking into, into, I love what he says, into the normally absolute barrier of death. The life of God comes and swamps it and swallows it up. And it bursts into the present world of decay and corruption as a new possibility and a new power. He says, go and tell them about this new way of life. But go and tell them about this new power and life that's available to you in Jesus Christ. Like I say, friends, this is when I read the scriptures, these are the sorts of things I'm saying, God, please teach me. Please show me these things. And I get so encouraged. I mean, I hope you're encouraged because I'm just preaching this and I'm flipping encouraged. So when I read this, I also see this is that these guys were unbelievably courageous in their faith. So courageous. They were just imprisoned and told not to preach about Jesus. The first chance they get, they go and preach about Jesus. They get arrested again. And guess what? The angel comes and sets them free. And guess what they're doing? They're preaching again. They are unbelievably bold and courageous. And the reason why they're bold and courageous is that they have an encounter with God. They've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They've asked God to make them bold and courageous in their ministry. And these guys are exceptionally bold and courageous. After having just been arrested, they just keep preaching. To the point in, at the end of chapter 5, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Friends, by the way, they'd just been flogged. They got a warning the last time before. This time they get flogged. They leave the flogging. Flogging. Now listen, I mean, flogging is not, not like a little pat on the bum. It's flogging like stripes on your back, scars on your back. They left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. How is that? This was a group of people, friends, that were bold and courageous with their faith. We, God, is, God is working into the mix a group of people that are bold and courageous. No matter what comes at them. They listen to God and not to man. They go to the most public place they could, the temple, as soon as they possibly could, early in the morning at daybreak. There's like a resolve, friends. I I look at that and say, God, please give that to me. Put this in me. I also look at this when I see this. I see their past experience of the power of God had filled them with faith for their present reality. So it's it's like because they ain't the power of God, they'd seen the power of God and signs, wonders, and miracles. They'd seen the power of God come as an angel sets them free. Imagine afterwards if they were, I don't know what they saw, but it's quite likely that they just saw a human being. They thought it was, they didn't know it was an angel. And then only afterwards that all of a sudden the human being's gone and that, what happened there? Actually, what, and they suddenly realized, oh man, an angel. So you see there, they encounter the, the, the power, the 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 experience of the power of God for that season allowed them to get on preaching. And and what it says in this text, it says they went once they realized they were out, not in the prison anymore, they went to fetch them. And it says there they did not use force because they feared what the people had would stone them. So they go and fetch them. And these guys don't even resist, friends. Not only did were they fearful, so they don't use force, but these guys don't, they don't resist. They just say, Yeah, okay, come, let's go. It's like they knew that if God got them out of jail once, he can get them out of jail another time. It's their their past experience of the power of God had filled them with faith for their present reality. These are some of the things, friends, that when I read this text, I get so encouraged by. Let me end with this one last thing. I've actually got two or three more, but our time is up. Let me end with this one last thing. we can't be tempted to think that since they were miraculously released from, by the power of God, that they would not be arrested again. You think, well, God released us. Okay, jeepers, well, I'm back in jail again now. God, are you with me? Was that you? Who are you? What's happening? You, you, you see, there's, there's, there's such a power, there's such an expectation for God to move that God's got this and will do it. But it never limits them from the negative side. So just because they were released, it doesn't mean they're not gonna be arrested again. It doesn't mean that there's not gonna be hardship anymore. Friends, when I look at these guys' lives, they go from one part of persecution to the next, but it never deters them. The courage takes them through it. It's quite amazing to think that in these moments, and you see Acts chapter 12, we'll get there as well. the angels come and deliver them from prison. But friends, do you know this? This is, so church history, And this is pretty reliable, kind of, I got this from a a commentary. It says this, according to fairly reliable church history and tradition, miraculous angels did not always deliver them. Matthew was beheaded with a sword. There was going to be a day where Matthew saw the deliverance of God many times in his life, but there was going to be a day when when he was going to be beheaded with a sword. And he was in God, a child of God. Mark died in Alexandria for being dragged through after being dragged through the streets of city. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. John died a natural death, but they, unsuccess- but they unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the least or the lesser was thrown from a heart then beaten with clubs. This is what church tradition tells us. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew was whipped and beaten until death. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was killed with arrows of uh, the arrows of an executioner. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded, as was Barnabas. Paul was beheaded in Rome. It's an amazing thing, friends. We've got to hold in tension the mystery, but delivering God breaks us out of jail but there comes a day when actually we could be dying for our faith and that is such a difficult thing to reconcile but because we've got this kind of thing well, God's the deliverer and God's the victor. This is what happens here. It reminds us friends that we should be trusting God for the miraculous to break out but knowing that he even does his purpose when he doesn't deliver us from what we're going through. Friends, These are some of the things that I get out of this text. And I pray that we would get hold of the word of God at this time and just read it slowly and carefully, methodically, just bit by bit. And I'll ask ask God to speak to us. Because, friends, this is is when I read this text, I get so excited. And that's why I didn't want to preach what I wanted to preach on. I thought, man, I want to preach this. This is so exciting. And I pray that it's been good for you and building courage and faith in your heart as we go forward in this season of the church. Father, I pray that you would be with these incredible people. I pray that you put courage in our bones, Lord. I pray that you would compel us with your love, O God. I pray, Lord God, that we would have a public faith and a private faith that will allow us to minister according to your will and to bring heaven to earth, to let your will come on this earth, let your kingdom come on this earth through our lives. And I pray for that for every single one of us that we have an encounter with you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Bless you guys. Have an incredible week. See you on Thursday.